0: That's a clown question, bro. Hi, Mr. So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit
1: outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't
0: want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean.
1: And welcome to the show to be named later, where we're talking baseball, kinda whenever. I am your host, Christian. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How are you doing, Daniel?
2: I'm doing great, Chris. It's draft day as we're recording this, and of course, we got Barry Bonds as our topic of discussion this week on our yes.
1: show. Yes, yes, we have Barry Bonds. This is the uh, sorry Thursday edition mm-hmm. uh, of the episode. I, I had some things in order, I guess technically. Things. I there was an event on a on a Tuesday. And there's uh, not, not a lot of events do? these what days. Are
0: gonna
1: what are you going to do? Yeah. So this is the Thursday episode. And then on Friday, we are going to be having the 2010 Rangers. Yes. But yeah. We have Barry Bonds, who was selected sixth overall in his draft.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure the other five teams. there was
2: uh, Emerson Hancock tonight for the Mariners.
1: Yeah. Emerson he Hancock. So as, as, As a theme for probably the past, like, three or four episodes, uh, negotiations are going on with the uh, players and the owners.
2: Still going.
1: Still going.
2: So I think since we last talked, uh, the league had since made a 50-game proposal and then backed to a 48-game proposal, and the players, of course, said no way. And then the players put out a 114-game schedule. Was that last week? Was that before? Uh, that
1: was a week or two ago
2: okay well anyway um the league issued that then they issued a 75 game season with 75% prorated salaries or something like that which is essentially the same thing as 100% prorated for a 50 game season it's basically the first offer was a nick was 25 cents with a quarter and then the second offer was two dimes and a nickel
1: yeah kind of it to be exact i think it was like 57 games yeah. so yeah it was a uh, Pretty much this the same thing. The eighty-nine game proposal that the players put out just seems like kind of a a highball thing so that negotiations can come down because no one's
2: even countering anything either. They're just putting out here's my new draft of a proposal. Okay, I'm not even gonna look at that. Here's my new draft.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's really odd that no one really seems to be working together. Like Mm -hmm. if I were the players association, I probably would have requested like, Hey, let's do 76 games and fully prorated instead of, you know, 75% pro And then maybe you can come down from there, but it, but still like 76 games is a, is a compromise in itself. And then you have to think it's going to get lower than that. So it's yep. weird.
2: Um, Yeah. And the funny thing is like both sides are like, you know, Talking down the other side, like I've seen the league saying the players aren't even trying, and I've seen the players saying the league isn't even trying. It's it's a big game of telephone between the two, and it's like the same. They're they're upset about the same things, it seems like, and they just cannot come to a compromise, uh, to save their own lives.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree I would agree with the that like both sides aren't really there's no real compromise from from either side. Yeah, really, I guess you know like there's just been maybe it's it's hard to evaluate because like uh there's so many like proposals and counter proposals but like the players had they started with their 114 game official one and Mm -hmm. then i think they were agreeing on uh i think they were agreeing on like 82 game proposal and then it went to 89 game proposal so it it seems extreme it seems so odd you know
2: it's it's strange this is, not, this is not how I anticipated I mean, baseball was supposed to be the first sport back from COVID, and this is what we got.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think re- the request was having spring training start June 10th, which is today, <laughs> and obviously that's not going to happen.
2: Not even close. But Rob Manfred did say tonight before the draft, like, we are 100% playing baseball right this season because Rob Manfred has the power to just be like, shut up, here's what we're doing. I don't care what you guys have to say. Get on the field. He has that power. And he's obviously letting them negotiate right now. Um, but if it gets too far, then he can really just step in and put out his own plan without any sort of rebuttal from anyone.
1: Yeah, Ken Rosenthal actually put out a thing saw that. on The Athletic. His his request, I kind of liked it. I feel like... Uh, I feel like like both...
2: 76 games fully prorated? 72. 72, okay.
1: 72. Um, we should do like a, a prediction of where we think... Where we oh think
2: boy.
1: it will be, it will be. It'll probably be more complex, but uh, okay.
2: Well, I think if Rob Manfred ends up deciding for himself, he's probably going to side more with the owners. Yeah. So I feel like if if Rob Manfred does step in, we're probably going to see something like seventy games with seventy percent prorated.
1: I believe. I believe. Uh, I believe we'll see. I feel I feel like I'm more optimistic with the with the players. Um, I think it'll be sixty-two games fully prorated.
2: Okay, that's fair.
1: It I feel like I feel like that'll happen. I think the player okay. the players just one thing they are staying consistent with is they want to be played as much as, like as much as they're worth for every single game mm-hmm. played, which I understand.
2: And that's completely like, I side with the players on this too. We've had a lot of conversations about like, you know, looking at it from both perspectives. And at this point with how long it's gone on, I feel like it becomes harder and harder to side with the owners as we go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I, no, no side is completely.
2: No side is perfect by any no way. side
1: is perfect. Uh, but I guess that uh, leads into the draft, which it was perfect. Because, or, uh, do you want to talk about uh, basically what's going on with the draft? Give a quick little rundown.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's 8-12 right now, and the draft only started an hour ago, so there hasn't been too much that's happened. Spencer Torkelson uh, went number one from the Tigers. That was an absolute no-brainer. Um, and then, hold on, let me pull this up real quick. The Orioles reached on a guy. Uh, the Orioles took Heston Kersjad, um, from an outfielder from Arkansas who was supposed to go, like, 12th. Like, they kind of reached on him, so I'm really intrigued to see um, how that works out because, keep in mind, the Orioles' GM is Mark Elias. He used to be with Houston, and say what you want about them, but, like, they know a thing or two about developing players, so mm-hmm. they definitely know something that the rest of the world doesn't about Heston. The Marlins took Max Mayer, a uh, right-handed pitcher out of Minnesota. Um, I was watching the, a bit of the coverage, Chris, and the only other person to be drafted third overall out of Minnesota, do you know who that was? It was
1: Paul Molitor.
2: It was Paul Molitor. We did him on this very show.
1: Yes. After that, was –
2: That's right. The Kansas City Royals took Asa Lacey from Texas A&M, a left-handed pitcher. He was supposed to be the top pitcher in this draft, and he is going to Kansas City. And then after that was the Blue Jays. Oh, this is interesting. So the Blue Jays took Austin Martin, a shortstop, from Vanderbilt. And he was actually – they interviewed him – on the broadcast, and he said he used to be teammates with Bo Bichette. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a bit of a homecoming for them, too. And after that, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Emerson Hancock got picked by the Seattle Mariners with the number six pick. He is a right-handed pitcher out of Georgia. And the Pirates were seventh overall. They took Nick Gonzalez, who was a shortstop from New Mexico State. He was actually a walk-on, believe it or not, and now he's getting taken in the first round. And then the most recent pick that has been made, I believe... No, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Uh, the Padres, with the eighth pick, took Robert Hassel third, who is an outfielder from Independence High School in Tennessee. That was the first high school player taken. After that was the second high school player taken, Zach Veen, from uh, Spruce Creek High School in Florida. He was taken ninth overall by the Rockies. He's an outfielder. And the Angels... Two minutes ago, they took a guy, a left-handed pitcher out of Louisville named Reed Detmers. I believe that's how I pronounce it. Tenth overall pick. And that is uh, where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think the biggest surprise so far has been the Orioles reaching on Heston Kerstad.
1: Yeah, the, uh, yeah, I mean, a 12, just generally speaking, like a, a, tw- a guy projected 12th going second. On and- com, by the way always gonna always gonna raise some eyebrows
2: you know I I feel I feel like they know what they're doing though like I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out and I feel like this might be a move where we're looking at it you know in the future being hey like good thing they reached on that because that worked out
1: yeah 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 so that leads in to our history portion of the episode probably why you are here if you are listening we are going to get into Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, the, uh, one of the most controversial figures in baseball. One of baseball. our favorite
2: players of all time.
1: Yes. We, so, if you get, know
2: us, you know that we are a very Bonds-friendly program.
1: Of course. Of course. So, so yes. Barry
2: Lamar Bonds was born on July 24th, 1964, in Riverside, California, and his parents... Interesting way of meeting. They were next door neighbors and they actually got married at age 17 and they had Barry uh, a year later. And his uncle was actually drafted in both the NFL and the AFL before the merger. So he came from a very uh, successful athletic family. And when he was born, his father, Bobby Bonds, was in the minors. And he was raised by his mother and others were helping out uh, while his father was playing in the minors. And soon after he got called up, his father became really close with Willie Mays, another showed him a named later, history alum, and he was asked to be Barry's godfather. So, I mean, hey, if you're picking Willie Mays to be your godfather, you better be pretty good at baseball. And he was, he played basketball and football in high school, but baseball was easily his best sport. But scouts actually didn't like him when he was getting recruited because of his arrogance. And he was very cocky. And after 1981, his father retired and he became Barry's advisor. And because Bobby had a rough falling out with the MLB, uh, this move you know, made Barry's draft stock uh, jump up a bit. Or no, I'm sorry, drop down. And in the 1982 draft, Barry got selected in the second round with a 39th overall pick by the San Francisco Giants. And the Giants offered a $70,000 signing bonus. And Bobby actually asked for $5,000 more. He thought he was getting the short end of the stick. The Giants said no to that, and Barry proceeded to go to Arizona State University where Spencer Torkelson actually went. He was uh, drafted number one tonight.
1: Yes, and Barry Bonds continued his excellence and continued what, you know, his personality that seemed to be off-putting. He averaged a 347 average, 15 home runs, and 55 RBI per year uh, in his college career. That was over three seasons, and he dominated in the 1983 College World Series and led AS, uh, ASU to third place. But of course, he had some. He had the same off-putting attitude that he had in high school. He would sometimes skip practice or be late to practice. And in 1984, when the team flew to Hawaii, uh, Barry did not meet curfew uh, at the hotel that they were staying at. And when the assistant coach when the assistant coach tried to punish Barry with running miles Barry said uh, Barry said that only the mayor, only the merit uh, only the manager could punish him and that the assistant coach couldn't tell him to do anything Tough. and that definitely rubbed the assistant coach the wrong way it kind of rubbed the team the, uh, the wrong way and the manager did a team vote on whether whether or not Barry should be suspended from the team for these actions, you know, culmination of things. The majority actually said yes, that uh, Barry should be suspended, but the manager said because it wasn't unanimous, he could not suspend Barry, quote, with a good conscience. And instead, he told Barry to run 10 miles and uh, Barry Bonds never ran those 10 miles because he (laughs) would. He didn't. He, want he made them up
2: in trips around the base pass later in life.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's how he did it. I think he did a two
2: thousand one was, was for ASU.
1: It was basically the um a version of uh, deferrals.
2: Yeah, it's like Bobby Bonilla.
1: Yeah, he deferred his miles to do around the base paths at a uh, Pacific Bell Park. So, and uh, that leads to probably the the craziest story maybe the craziest story of of barry bonds's career or college career this is from espn and it says quote unreported at the time unreported at the time was that immediately following the hawaii trip brock had received a threatening visit from bobby bonds demanding that he revoke barry's suspension or else the incident took place during a closed practice when Bobby drove his Mercedes onto the field, parked in front of the dugout, and bull rush, bull rush block, uh Brock. If you mess with my son, he yelled, veins bulging from his neck, I'll own this school. So uh, Bobby Bonds made his mark at Arizona State University by really trying to, uh, I guess, put his son in the best position, but Definitely, uh, definitely ruffled some feathers at, at Arizona State University. And uh, Barry's career at Arizona State University ended in 1985 when he enter- entered into the draft where he was drafted sixth overall by the Pittsburgh Pirates. And with that, uh, with that draft selection, he, was, he received a $150,000 bonus.
2: Good on him for not taking that offer from the Giants a couple years earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: off. So now Barry is in the minors. In 1985, he had a 930 OPS with 15 stolen bases in 71 games. You know, he's making his mark. He's moving his way up through the system. And in 1986, he had a 963 OPS with 16 stolen bases in 44 games. Even more impressive. And the Pirates were struggling. They were 17 and 24. So they called Barry up to play for them. And now we enter the leadoff-barry phase of his career. In 1986, he was, you know, just transitioning to the majors, had a 746 OPS with 36 stolen bases in 113 games playing center field. Not not the best season ever, but it's a start. So now we're into 1987, and he moves into left field. He is an 821 OPS with 32 stolen bases, sort of becoming more of a name, good all-around player. And, you know, certainly something that, maybe have a sort of low ceiling, but he'll be able to produce. Now in 1988, an 859 OPS with 17 stolen bases, bit of a down year. And then in 89, only a 777 OPS, didn't even crack 800, with 32 stolen bases and a 3.6 defensive war and 30.1 defensive runs above average, both of which rank second among baseball in all fielders. So even if he was lacking a little bit on offense due to his standards. He was making it up for it on defense. And in this phase of Bond's career, he the average season for him considered a 256 average along with a 345, 458, 804 quadruple slash line with 21 home runs, 29 stolen bases, 5.9 B-War and 5.3 F-War. So still pretty good. And I mean, he's only just starting. So let's see where he goes from here.
1: So he Comes into 1990 and has a season for the ages. He set career highs and runs scored with 104, hits with 156, home runs with 33, RBI with 114, stolen bases with 52. The entire quadruple slash line, he had a career high in a 301 average, 406 on base percentage, 565 slugging percentage for a 970 OPS and wins above replacement. He had 9.7 B-war and 9.9 F-war. He also led the league in slugging and OPS, and he also hit 377 with runners in scoring position. Also, his 1990 season is the only season in baseball history with 30-plus home runs and 52-plus stolen bases. Only season to happen in baseball history. Also, he won his first gold glove, first silver slugger, and also won his first Most Valuable Player award. And then uh, in the playoffs, didn't have the best of times. He struggled in the NLCS against the 1990 Reds, who we did a show about uh, earlier, episode 32. You can check that out. Had a 542 OPS against them in six games, and also with runners in scoring position, struggled even more. Had an uh, he was 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position in that NLCS.
2: So, now coming off of the MVP season that he had in 1990, we head into 1991 where he leads the league in OBP all, with a 410, also in OPS with a 924. He stole 43 bases and hit 345 with a 471 OBP with runners in scoring position. He got on base almost half the time with runners on second or third. He won a gold glove. He won a silver slugger. He led the league in war, but he finished second in the MVP vote. He lost to Terry Pendleton of the Braves that year. Kind of despicable considering the numbers for both of them there. I think Bonds probably should have had him, But, yeah. unfortunately, you go back into the playoffs. He struggled in the, in the National League Championship Series against the Braves. 392 OPS, going 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. That makes him 0 for 11 overall in the playoffs with RISP.
1: But the Braves, the Braves, despite seeing this performance, were impressed enough that they actually wanted to trade for Barry Bonds before the 1992 season and possibly extend him after trading for him. Uh, So before the season, the Pirates were pretty much on the brink of trading uh, Barry Bonds to the Braves, but Jim Leland didn't want his roster depleted so much because they'd already traded Bobby Bonilla and, a couple other guys I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. and G- Jim Leland made sure that that trade did not happen and that he had Barry Bonds for an extra year and Which it says a
2: lot about Bonds as a player because like Bonds openly clashed with Jim Leland on a regular basis during his time in Pittsburgh like there's plenty of videos out there of them getting into fights over anything and the fact that Jim Leland wanted to keep him on his team despite being kind of a head case says a lot about the player that he was
1: yeah and it definitely paid off during that 1992 season, he was definitely the main reason why they were able to get to the playoffs for a third consecutive year. He led the league in OPS with a 1080 OPS, also OPS plus with 204, meaning he was uh, 104% better than the average hitter. And he also led the league in wins above replacement. Along, along with that, you know, already impressive in the batter's box, stole 39 bases. Also no one in major league baseball was within two uh, fan graphs, wins above replacement. Also his 1990 season was the first season with an OPS plus of at least 200 since George Brett's 1980, which a uh, spectacular season. So it was the first, uh, first season of that type in 12 years. Also, The only season in the live ball era, only season since 1920 with a 190 OPS plus and 30 stolen bases. And he had a 204 OPS plus and 39 stolen bases. So he broke that mark by a lot. Only season in the live ball era that that happened. Also won a gold glove, silver slugger, and MVP again. And he had better luck in the playoffs. Still not perfect. He slashed 261, 433, 435, 868 in the NLCS against the Braves. Also had six walks to go with all of that, but still struggled in the clutch. Only went one for seven with runners in scoring position in the series. And actually in the newspapers, he was donned the nickname Mr. Knocktober uh, because of his lack of clutch in the postseason. And it appeared that the Pirates could not afford to re-sign him in free agency. So Barry Bonds was on the free agent market. Where does he go? He goes to the place where his father was for most of his career. He goes to San Francisco and signs a record deal at the time. Six years, $43 million. Again, record deal. That
2: could be right now.
1: Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, there's inflation, but there's also the fact that players are, are getting uh, a I'm just saying, like
2: in 2020, if someone with Barry Bonds' skill level at this time comes around, what are they making?
1: Um, Mike Trout money, I would say. Yeah. And also, I think he was, what, 27 or 28 when he was yeah. on the market?
2: I feel like a modern-day like guy that could come close to being this sort of example could be Cody Ballinger. Like he's already got the MVP. He's already a big power hitter. He can steal bases and he's young when he is free agency. If he is playing in that similar style, he could be that sort of modern day, not early nineties, Barry bonds, maybe left. Him, yeah. left him well.
1: yeah. If he continues what he's able to do, maybe mm-hmm. he could be uh, the first $500 million player. It would, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So Barry bond signs that deal and it pays off for the Giants, of course. He led the league in OPS with an 11.36 OPS, also led in more. Uh, he stole 29 bases to go along with that. And with runners in scoring position, he was absolutely insane. He hit 358 with a 5.57 on base percentage with runners in scoring position. And for the second consecutive year, no one in Major League Baseball was within two F war and his night was on
2: another planet.
1: He was on another planet. It was Barry bonds and it was everyone else. His 1992 and 1993 seasons are the only seasons in the live ball era with a 190 OPS plus and 25 plus stolen bases. Uh, You know, his 1992 season was the only one with 190 OPS plus and 30 plus stolen bases. The 93 season is the only – the 92 and 93 seasons are the only ones with 190 OPS plus and 25 plus stolen bases. Barry Bonds missed 30 stolen bases by one stolen base. And, of course, wins Gold Glove, Silver Slugger, and MVP, again, for the second consecutive year, third time in four years. So now
2: we're on to 1994. And, of course, this was a strike shortened season, so – he may not have seen his full potential, but in the time we did get to see him, he finished third in OPS with a 1073 and second in war. He hit 37 home runs despite the shortened season with 29 stolen bases. And he was on pace for 52 home runs and 41 stolen bases, which would have been the only 50-40 season ever. But he finished fourth in the MVP vote, unfortunately.
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, he, he probably should have finished, like, second, but Jeff Bagwell had a – Jeff
2: Bagwell crushed it that year.
1: Yeah, and season had a 12.01 OPS yeah. from, what, uh, from what I saw. Ray
2: Thomas had a ridiculous OPS that season too from the AL.
1: Yeah, I think it was o- over 1,200 again. Yeah. that You know, we could be seeing – like, this season in 2020, we could be seeing some, like, 1,300 OPS seasons. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, we it, were
2: talking about this the other week. Like imagine the differences between ERA and FIP.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be if, if you have one odd. bad start,
2: you're gonna have an ERA of six seven five with a thrip with a FIP of
1: 3.3. Yeah, and one, you know, I feel bad for the free agents because one dart yeah. could derail you.
2: Or even the arbitration people.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Of course.
2: So that concludes ninety-four. Now we're on to nineteen ninety-five. He leads the league in OPS once again, 1009. And he also leads in war. He steals 31 bases, hits 325 with runners in scoring position. And voter fatigue sets in a bit, and he finishes 12th in the MVP voting. Pretty, pretty disrespectful to not even put him in the top 10, despite leading in OPS in war and also stealing 31 bags.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, if you're leading in OP, like, pretty much, I don't even care about your defense, as long as you're not, not making, like, Thirty errors. As long as you're
2: not terrible, yeah.
1: If you have an, if you lead the league in OPS and you're stealing thirty bags, that's pretty much automatic MVP, in my book.
2: At least top ten.
1: At least top ten. You know, it it has to be. You know, like Mike Trout has probably been screwed out of maybe one or two MVPs, but at least he's always like two or three, not twelve.
2: The worst he's ever done is fourth, which is hilarious. and he got hurt that season. He yeah, he
1: played like 112 games.
2: And still finished fourth. Yeah. seventeen.
1: So that leads into Barry Bonds. B- Barry Bonds' 1996 season, a very unique season for Mr. Bonds. He finished second in OPS with 1076 and also led in wins above replacement. And uh, in that season, Bonds joined an exclusive club, an exclusive single season uh, record club. Only one man had done this before Bonds. A couple of have done it since. I guess it's more of a recent accomplishment with the, uh, with the boom of home runs. But he joined a very exclusive club uh, in 1996, happened on September 27th.
2: That face out and,
0: and he will take the base home. The fans here, many of whom are Giants fans, stand and applaud. Bonds pointing to his teammates who are applauding on the top step of the dugout. Something Bonds said he wanted, and something as recently as two weeks ago, he never felt he could accomplish this year. Oh, that's great. And he said the reason he put a press on in September was that his teammates wanted him to do it.
2: I was kind of hoping he would do like the Ricky Henderson hold the base above his head thing, but oh well.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Barry bon- Barry Bonds knows that this is going to be one of many accomplishments, one of many exclusive clubs he's about to join. So he's, he's kind of humble about it. You know, keeps a, keeps a good face on. And that year he wins the gold glove again, wins the silver slugger again. And this, you know, he led the league, he led the league in war by 1.5. You know, again, it was bonds and everybody else. But despite this fact he finished fifth in the MVP vote. Crime again, a crime against Barry Bonds uh, and his MVPs. You know, he he had seven MVPs, but he should have had maybe nine or ten if we're being completely honest here.
2: Anyone, he should have had it this year. He should have had it. Never. Yeah,
1: it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And you know, to go along with that, with runners in scoring position, again, spectacular. 383 average with a 599 on on-base percentage. So it's not like the OPS was empty. I mean, he was getting it done in the clutch. He was getting it done all the time. Had a 40-40 season. I mean, it's, it's just, I don't know how you don't give that man a first-place MVP vote. So
2: now we move on to 1997. And he finishes third in OPS, 1031, third in F4, and fourth in BWAR. He's not at the top of the season, but he's still a superstar caliber player. He steals 37 bases, wins gold glove, wins silver slugger, and finishes fifth in the MVP voting. And he had a 647 OPS in the National League Division Series against the Marlins that year. But he did go one for two with a sack fly with runners in scoring position. So he got a little bit of a clutch gene, but it's still not completely there yet. Also, this is 1997. 1998 is allegedly the year that Barry Bonds started taking steroids. You know, you've probably been listening to this thinking, when are they going to say it? Are they going to say it? Do they know? Yes, we know. Barry Bonds took steroids. It's not breaking news to us. Guess what? He was still unbelievably good without them. From 1986 to 1997, the time where he didn't take steroids, Bonds had already accumulated 90.6 F4. That alone would rank 25th all time among position players. If you just take out the steroids part of his career, he was still unbelievably good.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, he would, he would have been – yeah, he's, he would have been an all-time great if he had just stopped there. He's still an all-time great, but he just has the controversy yeah, around even, him now. Even
2: greater. Even so greater. So now we're in 1998. Allegedly, he's taking steroids. And on May 28th, he comes up against the Diamondbacks with bases loaded, down by two in the ninth inning – and Greg Olson is on to close it out. So let's see uh, how they treat Barry in this huge situation in the game.
1: Yep. Uh, Things not loading. All right, here we go. Base is loaded. Here we go.
3: He's the self-proclaimed best player of his generation.
0: scored the not man. Well I remember a quote from Johnny Oates last year when he faced Ken Griffey
3: Jr. with the bases loaded and he didn't intentionally walk him and Griffey went deep and he said if I had a 20-year contract I would have walked Jr. with the bases loaded. <laughs> and Olson might want to do this here with Barry Bonds, but he won't. Olson five walks in the nine batters that he has faced. And, look- and they're walking him potential walk to Barry Bonds unbelievable maybe he's got a 20-year contract you, you know you all know, this is flat out saying I will not let you beat me this is history
2: Inside, like, like the announcers at the ultimate intentional walk, they would rather just let a run score than even mess with Barry Bonds. And my favorite thing about that is that this is the first two months of the Diamondbacks even being a franchise. And they had a pretty tough year in 1998. So at that point, this was probably the most important thing they had ever done as a franchise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That would be a, that's a good point.
2: Like the only thing they were known for was walking Barry Bonds with the bases loaded. And hey, they won that game too.
1: Yeah, it would be like if it, it, like, it would be like uh, if the Golden Knights did something, cr- did something crazy.
2: Yeah, except they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. They
1: did go to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So
2: then, later in the season, on August 23rd, Barry Bonds set himself up for yet another accomplishment. You know, we mentioned the 40-40 club. How about the 400-400 club? The It'd
0: be higher than it was last year is drilled to deep right, and that could be number 400. It is! He's done it! He has become the first man in the history of the game to hit as many as 400 home runs and steal as many as 400 bases. It's a brand new category, and Barry Bonds is the only member. Take a look. He's a Hall of Famer.
3: And he's been the master of that category, too, over his career. Five times he's been a 30-30 guy, so he knows what to do with the long ball and how to steal. And he is the
2: I mean, master I'm at that. He's a Hall of Famer. Let it be known. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I don't care what these baseball writers have to say. Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer in my opinion. And
1: heart. technically, the majority of them agree. It's just yes. not 75%.
2: Yep. So the baseball world in 1998 was captured by Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's iconic home run race. In fact, uh, on ESPN this Sunday, they're actually going to be playing a 30 for 30 about that. So definitely go check that out. I know I will. And Bonds finished third in OPS that season. Of course, he lost to those two, but he still led in war during the big home run chase. He still put up more wins above replacement than both of those guys. He stole 28 bases also, and he won gold glove Finished eighth in the MVP voting.
1: So that caps off an incredible nine-year stretch uh, by Barry Bonds. Obviously, obviously, it goes without saying he was the player of the 90s. Uh, but you know, an injury in 1999, like it's, it wouldn't make the the stretch as impressive. But the nine-year stretch from 1990 to 1998, a, a time where he was probably where he was like, I think he was top five in WAR every single year Mm -hmm. his average season from 1990 to 1998 was 305 his quadruple slash line was 305 438 600 for a 1038 ops a 181 ops plus 173 weighted runs created plus 111 runs 31 doubles 36 home runs 110 rbi 36 stolen bases uh 119 walks 28 intentional walks, 8.5 B war, and 8.7 F war. That's his average year from 1990 to 1998. Also, from 1990 to 1998, he was second in on base percentage, second in slugging percentage, first in OPS, first in OPS plus, first in weighted runs created plus, first in runs scored, third in homers, first in RBI, first in walks, first in intentional walks, all well being. Sixth in stolen bases, so he was probably the best best hitter in baseball during this stretch, and he's still a top ten base stealer during this uh, during this nine year stretch, and obviously that leads to him being first in baseball reference war and first in Fangraphs war by a mile. So that leads into his nineteen ninety nine season, and uh, this is where. Uh, this is where the uh story starts to starts to heat up a little bit because the alleged alleged uh beginning of the steroid use was during 1998 but i think he really amped it up after 19 uh after 1998 so after 1998 he was at a dinner table with a small group of people uh, one of those people was ken griffey junior so uh this is from, uh, this is from ESPN. It was a an article on the timeline of the uh, steroid use of Barry Bonds, and it says, "quote According to the book, Bonds, after the 1998 season, told a small group of told a small group over dinner at the home of Ken Griffey Jr. that he was going to start using quote some hardcore stuff to increase his hitting power." The book quotes Bonds as saying over dinner. I had a hell of a season last year and nobody gave a crap. Nobody. nobody. As much as I've complained about McGuire and Canseco and all the bull with steroids, I'm tired of fighting it. I turned 35 this year. I've got three or four good seasons left and I want to get paid. I'm just going to start using some hardcore stuff and hopefully it won't hurt my body. Then I'll get out of the game and be done with it.
2: By the way, oh. uh, the the book you're referring to, I believe it's Ken Griffey Sr.'s book. Is that correct?
1: Um, no, it was uh, it's the book. I forget who wrote it, but it was called like Barry, or uh, it was called "Love Me or Hate Me: The Making of an Anti." That's Antichrist. right.
2: That's right. Yep. Okay, I was wrong.
1: I think it was like Jeff Perlman or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So after 1998, as a result of this conversation, he started working with trainer Greg Anderson. Uh, who is now, I guess, a convicted low-level steroid dealer. And he showed up to spring training, appearing to have put on uh, a considerable amount of muscle mass. And through his first 12 games, had a 1305 OPS. Uh, but because of, um, probably as a result of his rapid muscle growth, uh, he had torn his triceps from stressing his elbow. So he was out for about two months. And uh, in this 1999 season, he ended up playing 102 games and compiled a 1,006 OPS. But he did tie for his highest home run percentage of his career. So the, uh, the strength was definitely playing a factor in 1999. So then it goes on to 2000 where things might be looking a little different for Barry. So there were some benefits to the new ballpark that the Giants had just built, and there were uh, not benefits. So the Giants had moved to Pacific Bell Park, where it is 309 feet down the right field line, but 421 feet to right center field. So you have to wonder how how it would affect Barry Bonds and his home run hitting ability. And it didn't really seem to affect it at all. He set a career high in home runs with 49. He ended up being third in wins above replacement, second in OPS with 1127, and first in OPS plus with 188. He also won the Silver Slugger again, and he finished second in the MVP vote. And after, you know, the Giants went to the playoffs again, and after getting hits in his first two plate appearances of the NLDS he went 1 for 15 after those plate appearances so it was kind of another uh, another goose egg laid in the playoffs but maybe he can eventually get over that over that demon
2: so now we're getting into the greatest and i mean greatest four year offensive stretch in baseball history by any man who has ever walked this earth at any level. I I am convinced no one in the Little League has ever done as well as Barry Bonds did from 2001 to 2004. It just is impossible. So now we're in 2001. From April 13th to April 18th, he hit home runs on six consecutive days. On one of those days, April 17th, he hit his 500th career home run.
0: Nobody out. Deep to right field. This one is on its way to McCovey Cove! Number 500, it's into the water! Unbelievable. Barnes has hit the historic 500th homer, the 17th man in history. He joins his godfather, Willie Mays. He joins Willie McCovey and Ott, the fourth giant to do it. And in so doing, he has put the Giants ahead of the.
2: There it is, number 500. That was just the beginning of the season. He, he just had to keep going. He set the May record for home runs with 17. Nobody else has ever hit more home runs in a single month of May than Barry Bonds in 01. He entered September with 57 home runs, needing 13 to tie the record and 14 to break it. Of course, that would be the single-season record held by Mark McGuire at 70 in, a, in a 1998. And on October 3rd, he broke Babe Ruth's single-season walk record. That had stood probably almost a hundred years. And on October 4th, in his last player appearance of the game, he came up actually looking to tie Mark McGuire for the single season home run record, sitting at 69, looking for 70.
0: 94 strikeouts. Bonds with a drive. Looks like number 70 for Barry
3: Bonds. And it is. Tying the all-time record set in 1998 by Mark McGuire. Barry Bonds hits home run number 70 at Enron Field. He's now homered in every National League park this year. There's his son, Nikolai, greeting him at home plate.
2: The fact that he homered at every National League stadium that year blows my mind. Like there are times where he played three games at one stadium and he had to get one in at least.
1: Yep. That's so, that's wild. Like,
2: <laughs> like he just he didn't it wasn't like he went on one specific big stretch, he just did it the whole year. And then the next day on October fifth, in his first plate appearance, of course, the last plate appearance he hit number seventy. Now he's looking for number seventy one.
0: He is hosting the Bobby Box Golf Tournament back east. Barry comes out now for a curtain call in what is already the longest ovation in the short history of Pacific Bell Park.
2: There it is, number seventy-one breaks the all-time record.
1: So, you know, he- heading into that month he needed 13 to tie the record and 14 to break it. So I, you know, I don't even know if he was on pace to break the record. Usually guys head in kind of hot and maybe they kind of uh, fade out a little bit. That was not the case with Barry Bonds, his September slash October, because you know, the, the, in 2001, the, uh, there was a seven week they had six days off because of the nine 11 attacks. So it went into October. His September slash October, where he played 27 games, so it was pretty much one month. His September slash October was the greatest offensive month in baseball history at the time. His September-October consisted of a 403, 607, 1078, 1685 slash line and 117 plate appearances, along with 16 home runs and minimum 75 plate appearances His on-base percentage is the second highest in a single month. Uh, His slugging percentage is the highest. Uh, His OPS, or at the time, his on-base percentage was second second highest in one month. His slugging was the highest. His OPS was the highest. And he's the only player in baseball history to hit 15-plus home runs with 38-plus walks in one month. And... To wrap up that 2001 season, his 11.9 baseball reference war remains the highest all-time for someone in their age 33 season or older, and Barry Bonds was 36, even more impressive. And along with the home run record, uh, he set the single season record for slugging percentage with 863. He tied the single season record for OPS at 1379. He set the single season record for OPS plus with 259 uh, offensive wins above replacement with 12.4. And he set the single season record for isolated power, which is slugging percentage minus batting average. He set that record by 63 points. No one was even close to having that same isolated power as uh, Barry Bonds in 2001. While doing all of that, while setting the record for OPS Plus, while setting the record for isolated power, he still was able to get it done in the clutch. He hit 382 with a 650 on on-base percentage with runners in scoring position. 650 on on-base percentage with runners in scoring position. It was, you know, two-thirds of the time. And to go along with that, obviously, he's going to win the Silver Slugger, and he's going to win the Most Valuable Player Award. And that leads into 2002. 2002, uh, the Giants made a, a little bit of a risky move. Uh, they signed Barry Bonds to a five-year, $90 million extension uh, when he w- when Barry Bonds was 37 years old. And, you know, he still had a year left on his uh, original contract. So they were definitely, uh, definitely taking a risk there. But I guess it worked out in the end. So that leads into August 9th. August 9th, he has uh, he joins a very exclusive club. There were only, uh, I believe, four people in at the time, four or five people in. And he's able to, to do something uh, that no one has done. No one has hit their 500th and 600th home run in consecutive seasons barry bonds was able to do it right here
3: 599 career home run here's the 2-1 swing and a long
0: one this one is way back it is out of here, 600.
2: it was against his former team too
1: yeah yeah it's uh very very interesting that it was able to uh to come full circle like that so Mm -hmm. yeah barry bonds hits number 600 but perhaps his 600 first home run might have been his uh most impressive one if uh if that makes any sense so here it is number 601 take or that's not it take a look for yourself
3: bounds with 600 career home runs busted his back and Carnacion is back make it 601 can you believe it can you believe that shattered the lumber and hit a home run Seen home runs hit when the batter has broken his bat, but I don't think I've ever seen a home run hit when the bat has been shattered that badly. He can't believe. He'll remember 601. Look at that. Part of the bat in his hand, the barrel out toward first base. Never seen a bat broken
1: that badly on a home run, and hit to. laughable laughable what he was able to do (laughs) right there
2: superhuman thing
1: yeah the the power uh the power contained there is stunning it's absolutely stunning so that leads to his spectacular season the what's funny about this four-year stretch is there's you could make the argument for three different seasons being his best season yeah You know, it could be 2001, it could be 2002, it could be 2004. All are ridiculous. So he outdid himself, you know, you could say he outdid himself in 2002. He slashed 370, 582, 799 for a 1381 OPS. That 370 average has only been topped once since his 2002 season. And his on-base percentage and OPS – were single season records 582 on base percentage and 1381 ops single season records also had a two hundred sixty eight ops plus and two hundred forty four weighted runs created plus those uh single season marks remain all time records today they are still all time records also right. he was walked 198 times, which reset his all-time record, which was uh, which was set the previous year. He was also intentionally walked 68 times, which was far more than Willie McCovey's single-season record of 45. His you previous I got that in like July. Record. What was that?
2: You probably got that in July.
1: Yeah, he probably got it in July. It was ridiculous. Also. Barry Bonds, he had 17 games in which he had multiple hits and multiple walks. That is definitely a single-season record. His 12.7 F-WAR is the highest all-time for someone in their age 33 season or older, and Bonds was also 37 at the time.
2: You probably heard that before.
1: So, yeah, you probably probably heard that before. This time it was the F-WAR that was the single-season record. Mm-hmm. And with runners in scoring position, he still outdid himself, had a 376 average and a .669 on-base percentage with runners in scoring position, and he won, his, won a silver slugger and won his record-setting fifth most valuable player award.
2: Not bad. So now the Giants are in the playoffs. Finally, Giants' Barry Bonds gets to be in the playoffs. In the National League Division Series, he hits – he has a 12 33 OPS, three home runs, four RBIs in five games, uh, and in Game Three of the National League Championship Series, he comes up to the plate with two men on, down by three, looking to tie the game.
3: His last at bat. Here's the pitch.
0: Buns to right. This one is way back. It's headed to the water. <laughs> this game is tied. <laughs> oh boy.
3: He's done it again and listen to this crowd. His son, Nikolai gets a kiss from the old man. It's four to four.
2: Absolutely electric tie game. And eventually in game five, he hit the game tying sack fly. In the eventual clincher. So the Giants were now on to the, their way to the World Series, led by Barry Bonds in the NLCS, a 591 OBP. 591, 13 18 OPS, one home run, six RBI, 10 walks in five games. He averaged two walks per game in that series. And also now he's onto the World Series. He hits his, a home run in his first World Series plate appearance. And then in game two, he hits this ball in the ninth inning, Chris. I've seen this replay a million times. I've never seen the ball land.
1: Neither, neither have I.
2: Watch this and try and tell me where the ball lands, because I have not seen it ever.
3: Ripped into right field. It's a one-run game as Bonds gets his second of the series. You could see Salmon saying in the dugout, that's the furthest ball I've ever seen hit. And it's an 11 10 Anaheim lead in the ninth. It's not the farthest ball that we've ever seen Barry Bonds hit, however, because we saw him hit one farther at Yankee Stadium
2: our second Saturday this year, June 8th. Not only do I not see the ball in, I don't even see like a, a group of fans standing up to catch it. Like everyone just like there it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. We the it ball went the into the a vacuum ball. in the sky.
2: The ball like teleported in midair or something. Yeah. And, uh, he gets intentionally walked th- three times in Game Four, uh, some of which being with the bases empty. <laughs> like the worst thing that to, to quote John Boyce, the worst thing that's gonna happen is a solo home run. Are you really that scared? Yeah. <laughs> So he ends up sla- – this slash line gets me every time. He ends up slashing 471, 700, for a 1994 OPS in the World Series. His OPS was a year that was eight years prior to where they currently were. Yeah. Four home runs, six RBI, 13 walks, seven of which in- being intentional in the World Series. Unfortunately, the Giants still actually lost to the Angels. Which is tough because it obviously it wasn't Barry's fault. He did everything right. Yeah. And he's, his 13 walks in a single season is a the, is the World Series record. And now in the entire playoffs, he hit 356, 581, 978 for a 1559 OPS in those playoffs. Eight home runs, 16 RBI, 27 walks, 13 of them being intentional in 17 games. He hit eight home runs in the playoffs which is tied for a single-season playoffs record. And his 27 walks in the playoffs, uh, it's a single-season playoffs record as well that year. So now we're on to 2003, which, funny enough, is sort of recognized as a quote-unquote down year by Bond standards, even though it's in the best uh, four-year stretch ever. On yeah. June 23rd, he, of course, you already know, he's got his, his 500, even his 600th home run. And... Now he's going for the 500-500 club.
0: Colorado has hit a home run tonight. He's also grounded out and twice struck out. Bonds going. And he steals it without a throw. And that's number 500. And that's when they really needed a stolen base, too. Bonds uproots the base. They'll bring out a new one the first man in the history of the game to have that rather unique double of 500 steals and 500-plus home runs. He had been the only one to have 400 of each in the history of the game. And what makes this so impressive is he gets the elevation. Is it was, as you said, a key play in this game. I did never got him stopped. He walked right in.
2: There he is. He enters the 500-500 home club. And later in the season on August 23rd, Bobby Bonds passes away. And 11 days later, investigators raided the labs of Balco to seize medical and financial records. And one document showed that he was using quote-unquote banned substances. And that year, Barry slashed 341, 529, 749 for a 1278 OPS. This 1278 was the lowest single-season OPS he had in these four years, which is hilarious. He walked 148 times, intentionally was 61 of them. He led the league in OPS and war. He led his OBP slugging OPS home runs, and war became records at the time for someone in their age 38 season or older. And like we mentioned, his father passed away on August 23rd. He won silver slugger and MVP. And unfortunately in the NLDS, he only hit 222, but he did have an 889 OPS, uh, eight walks, six of them being intentional in four games. And after the season, he testified in front of a grand jury regarding Balco, and he denied any steroid use.
1: So that leads into his 2004 season, which was, uh, you know, it was probably a relief to get into the 2004 season after that headache of a uh, grand jury case. So the story, the story with the beginning of 2004 starts following the 2002 season, actually. So Eric Gagne and Barry Bonds, Eric Gagne, a star closer who actually won the Cy Young as a closer in 2003. Eric Gagne and Barry Bonds were, were having a conversation. Uh, they were doing a tour in Japan where, you know, MLB stars, I think it's like every four years they uh, play teams from Japan. Yep. And Eric Gagne said in a, in a little, some type of a forum or a, a, at some event, he said, quote, we were in Japan on an all-star tour in 2002 and Barry always complained about nobody giving him pitches to hit. I said, you know what? If, if I get a three-run lead one time and I come in, I'll face you. I'll, I'll face you. I promise. He said, all right. All fastballs? I said, uh, no fastballs. Not all fastballs. Or, yeah, not all fastballs. I can use one off speed. He said, perfect, but no change-ups. All right. That's the deal. So that leads to April 16th of 2004, where the situation comes up perfectly, perfectly for each of these fellows. It's a three run game.
2: Absolute power versus power.
1: Power versus power. It's the bottom of the ninth. And Barry Bonds is coming up. I'm going to, it's the full at bat, but I'm going to be. Pressing pressing the right arrow so that it skips five in between pitches. So, yep. We'll see how this is. So Barry Bonds coming up,
3: and here's Barry Bonds who's 0 for two with a walk. In those 15 at bats that Bonds has lifetime, he gets Gagne three for 15, a couple singles and a double. He has struck out five times. the run the Dodgers scored in the ninth makes this a little different of an at-bat for Gagne than yeah. at- another and two. Oh, nice. Best MVP. Two and two. And he shook off the changeup. He wants to go fastball in. Now That's going to end up in the water. With the That's a 101 mile per hour fastball for foul.
0: Is that a quick bat? Ganya shook out the changeup. He shook out the fastball away. He got the
3: fastball in at 1-0-1. Wow and two. Center field. Hit low. This baby's gonna go at 100 miles per hour. Wow. (laughs) I'm
0: not sure which guy's from the other
1: planet. So Barry Bonds, a legendary moment. Probably his most legendary one-on-one moment of his career, and definitely, yeah, definitely an at-bat that will uh, that will be talked about throughout history. Mm-hmm. And that was just one sign of his spectacular April. And this April was uh, the best offensive month-, month in baseball history. He slashed four seventy-two. 696, 1132 for an 1828 OPS. This isn't a week. This is an entire month where he was doing that that. for a
2: week is really impressive, though.
1: Yeah, it's (laughs) that for a day is impressive. (laughs) But for yeah, 472, 696, 1132, 1828. And the on base percentage, slugging percentage, and OPS are the highest ever in a single month. Minimum 50 plate appearances, and the minimum doesn't really mean much. It just means – basically means that you played about 12 games. So, and Barry played about 20 – I think he played 23 that uh, that month. So, the highest on-base percentage slugging percentage in OPS in a single month. And uh, during the 2004 season, uh, you know, this was something that carried over from a tradition that was happening – Uh, since 2002 uh, Giants fans had been waving around had been waving around uh, rubber chickens uh, when you know players on the Giants especially Barry Bonds were being intentionally walked so the uh, the chickens were you know profited off of the the ballpark decided to sell them uh, as a you know, as merchandise you know you have them around the ballpark ten bucks a pop, and then they started be uh started being hung on the right field wall. they had a whole line of just chickens for i don't know if it was every intentional walk or every walk, but as i as you can see on the YouTube show, there's a line of just rubber chickens being hung. Uh, I think it's in foul territory of the right field wall. But it didn't really change any pitchers' minds. But it was a fun thing going on at the ballpark, for sure.
2: Great marketing.
1: Great marketing. And on July 4th of 2004, he broke the career walks record. And there's no clip of that. We need that clip. I need it, yeah.
2: Give me the Barry Bonds breaking the all-time walks record.
1: I really wish there was because it's just – it's a sign. It would be a good sign of the time. You know it's out
2: there because you know they were broadcasting the game in 2004, especially if it was July 4th, you know, America's pastime, America's birthday. Like, come on, give us that clip.
1: I guess America doesn't care about a Clearly. walk. Yeah, a even trick. after money. You know, it's, you know it's been – it's been, uh, what, like set seven, eight years since Moneyball has released and we still yeah. don't have this clip.
2: Yeah, what are we doing here?
1: But then, uh, later in the year, on September 17th, Barry Bonds joins an even more exclusive club than he's he's used to being in.
3: Shift is on for Bonds. Bonds hits one to left center field. He hits it well. Let's go back. It is... Number seven hundred for Barry Bonds Aaron Ruth and now Bonds the seven hundred home run club As Bond steps on home plate and listen to this crowd.
1: Barry Bonds joins. Hey, as, uh, I think his name is Mike Bassick, uh, told us he joins Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth. It just shows how good Babe, uh, uh, Barry Bonds was. He, in 2001, 500 home run club, 2002, 600 home run club, 2004, seven home, 700 home run club. No one was able to do what Barry Bonds was able to do, uh, that such, late in a career
2: and that's such a quick rate too like you just mentioned that's three different years where you hit milestone home runs for the hundreds
1: yeah within four years of each other mm-hmm. did all of that so at the end of the season he ends up with a legendary a absolutely legendary slash line 362 609 812, 14 22
2: all of those are a joke
1: his 609 on base percentage and 1422 ops are all-time records uh, clearly 60, 609 on base percentage safety. he's getting safe. on
2: base 60% of the
1: time <laughs> 60% of the time yeah it's it's just it's ridiculous this is yeah this is maybe my favorite season ever just because of the ridiculousness not even You know, you could argue 2002, 2001 and 2002 were more impressive, but this was just pure, you know, absurdity. He was walked an all-time record 232 times, which is 37.6% of his plate appearances. And he was intentionally walked a record 120 times, which is 19.4% of his plate appearances, about one in five of his plate appearances were intentional free passes. It's hilarious. And uh, he wins his 12th Silver Slugger and his 7th MVP. And uh, th- that leads into what I call the wild splits of Barry Bonds' 2004 season. So, <clears throat> with runners and scoring position in 2004, Barry Bonds slashed 394. 754 944 for a 1698 OPS also with runners in scoring position had 111 walks and three, three strikeouts
2: three strikeouts is not that's not even real that can't be real
1: that's uh i think it's 39 walks for every strikeout yeah something or uh
2: more around 37. there
1: 37 37 walks for every strikeout and his on-base percentage and ops with runners in scoring position are single season records uh, minimum 50 plate appearances with runners in scoring position uh, again if you if you didn't remember 754 on-base percentage with runners in scoring position 1698 ops with runners in scoring position with the bases empty he was still intentionally walked 19 times. And with a man on first, a man on men on first and second and men on first and third where uh, technically there's not a base uh, open, only like second or third is open, he was still intentionally walked 25 times. And with a man on just second base, he was intentionally walked in fifty-two out of seventy-four plate appearances, which is seventy percent of plate appearances where there was a man on just second base.
2: I want to know what they were thinking during the other plate appearances where they didn't intentionally walk in with a man on second.
1: Yeah, it had to have hey, been let's just
2: take a chance with this guy.
1: It had to have been like a seven run game at least. Yeah. I I you know, even then I'd still I'd still put up the four fingers. But Barry Bonds still was able to smash baseballs with, met with a man just on second base. In these situations, in these 74 plate appearances, he slashed 412, 865, that's an 865 on base percentage, 941 for an 1806 OPS with a man on just second base. That leads to what he was able to do with a man just on third base, which is absolutely crazy. I, uh, it was 18 plate appearances with a man just on third base, so he went three for five with three home runs, had 13 walks and 10 intentional walks, for a 32.89 OPS with a man just on third base.
2: 32.89 OPS? That's not even. That can't even be a number.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, over halfway to having a perfect OPS. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's an, it's insane. And with men on second and third, uh people were a lot more safe. He was intentionally walked in 14 out of 16 plate appearances when there were men on just second and third. Uh that's 88% of his plate appearances he was intentionally walked and he slashed 875 875. So over 2 with 14 intentionally intentional walks there. For Barry Bonds with men on just second and third, beautiful, pretty, you know they were they were smart they were smart there. So that leads into, you know what he was able to do, uh, in each in each game I guess. So he played 143 games in 2004, and only 22 of them did not feature a walk from Mr. Bonds. 85% of his games featured a walk. Also, 75 of these games featured multiple walks, which is 52%. And 27 of these games featured three or more walks, which are 19% of his games. Seven of these games featured four-plus walks. And also, he was walked five times twice in 2004. That leads to uh, when he was intentionally walked. 81 of his 143 games were uh, featured an intentional walk, which is 57% of his games. 26 of these games featured multiple intentional walks, which is 18% of his games. Nine of these games featured three-plus intentional walks, and four of these games featured four-plus intentional walks. And since intentional walks started being recorded in nineteen forty one, only seven other men have been intentionally walked four times, and none of them have done it multiple times. So and Barry Bonds did it four times in one season. These the rest of those guys didn't even do it multiple times in their career. Never mind a season. And all of those stats just mentioned are in fact single season records. The
2: No dumb. Obviously.
1: Obviously. Single season records for, you know, X amount of walks, uh, X amount of games that featured X amount of walks uh, in a season.
2: You will never, ever see a season like that ever again. There's no way.
1: Never. Never. And, you know, for multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. So that caps off his amazing four-year stretch, the greatest offensive stretch In baseball history maybe in sports history i don't know there's so many so so many ways you could go with this so his average season from 2001 to 2004 consisted of a 349 average 559 on base percentage 809 slugging percentage and 1368 ops that's right a 1368 ops over a four-year stretch about 600 games being played he maintained a 1368 OPS.
2: Did Babe Ruth have a 1300 OPS season once? Yeah. Yeah. A couple times, like three times? Um, I don't think he yeah. did it more than twice.
1: I know in 2001, uh, Bonds tied Ruth's OPS record at 1379.
2: Okay, I think he did it twice though because I believe the 2003 OPS of 1278 is the sixth best all-time.
1: Yeah. I yeah, yeah. Babe
2: Ruth got him twice and then the other three were of course the other three bond seasons from that time yeah, on. and
1: and you know this is this is in 2000 uh Four. 2001 to 2004 where guys are throwing you know 90 yeah. plus instead of
2: He's in the same division as Randy Johnson for most of this time.
1: Yeah, and he and he was able to do well off of Randy Johnson it, and, for
2: all this time.
1: And uh yeah, for all this time. Yeah. So back back to the stretch, had a 256 OPS plus during this time, meaning he was 156% better than the average hitter uh, during, from the time of 2001 to 2004. A 232 weighted runs created plus. 122 runs scored per year, 52 home runs per year, 189 walks per year, 71 intentional walks per year, a 10.9 baseball reference war per year, and 11.8 fan war per year. Also, from 2001 to 2004, he led in the entire quadruple slash line, OPS plus, weighted runs created plus, home runs, walks, intentional walks, baseball reference war, and FanGraphs war by a mile.
2: So now we enter the fade out into being blackballed from 2005 to 2007 2005 he lingered it was a lingering knee injury that forced him out for most of the season and he only played 14 games so 2005 not the most memorable for Barry Bonds 2006 he comes back leads the league in walks because of course he does with 115 intentional walks with 38 and on base percentage with a 454 he also had a 999 OPS And at the time, his OBP slugging OPS, OPS+, and weighted runs created plus were all single season records at the time for anyone in their age 41 seasons or older, minimum of 450 plate appearances, of course. So that's 2006, and now we go into 2007. On August 4th, he steps up to the plate with 754 career home runs, looking to tie Hank Aaron for the all-time record.
3: Hunt. The 2-1 on the way is hit well The deep left. That might be it. Going on back at the wall is Hairston. It is gone. Home run for Barry Bonds. Number 755. Ty is one of the finest gentlemen and players of all time. The great Henry Aaron of the Milwaukee and Atlanta Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers. Bonds had already been the left-handed batter with the most home runs in Major League history and now going opposite way on a fastball that appeared over the left field wall of the 357 side here in Petco Park has tied Aaron.
2: Look how much older his son got in there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: He's grown up. He's grown
1: so fast.
2: I know. And then later on on August 7th, he goes ahead and hits number 756 off of Mike Baksic of the Washington Nationals.
1: This probably also the biggest moment of Nationals history, I guess. Yeah, at the time. <laughs> at the time.
2: this not only their, what, third year of existence?
1: Yeah, I mean, technically they existed in Montreal, but yeah, here's number
3: 756. Deals, and
1: Vines
3: hits
0: right high, hits it deep! It is
3: out of here! 7.56! Bonds stands alone! He is on top of the all-time home run list! What a special moment for Barry Bonds! And what a special moment for these fans here in San Francisco! There it is!
2: There it is. Major League history. The first person to ever hit 756 home runs exactly, of course, is Barry Lamar Bonds. He becomes the all-time leader. And later that season on September 20th, he was informed by the Giants that he wasn't gonna be re-signed. And on September 26th, six days later, Barry Bonds plays his last game in Major League
1: Baseball. Unknowingly at the time.
2: That's right.
3: And as you would expect, everybody on their feet. And Bonds takes a strike, and it's 0-1-1, the 2-2 pitch. Bonds pulls it on the ground. This is a fair ball, and it'll be Gonzalez going to the bag. 25, Barry Bonds! And again, all standing. And Bonds tops this one, and Peavy's going to grab it and step on first. And that is out number two. And here's Bond. And you're right, this could very well be his last at-bat in a Giants home uniform in this ballpark. It's a high! It's a deep. Says thank you to Jake Peavy. To he acknowledges me. the Padres. Buddy Black. He pointed at Buddy Black. And just for one brief second, it looked like he had one. come out one last time
2: every day i wish more and more that that last ball went out that would have been so cool it would
1: have been a would have been a ted williams moment
2: it would have been so in 2007, he leads the league in walks at age 42 with 132 walks. Intentional walks, he had 43. He ended a 480 OBP, which led the league, of course, and a 1045 OPS. His 480 OBP has not, done, has not been outdone since in a single season. And yes, we're going to go into more age statistics. His OBP, slugging OPS, OPS+, and weighted runs created plus remain a record for anyone in their age 41 seasons or older on 450 played appearances, and on November 15th of that year, a federal grand jury indicted Barry Bonds on four counts of perjury, claiming that he lied about taking steroids. This, among other things, led him to not being signed as a free agent despite willing to play for a league minimum, and you know, there's a lot of talk about teams that could have used him, like one thing, Foolish Baseball referenced this on his video, where he said, the Rays entered game one of the 2008 World Series with Willie Ibar as a starting DH. You really think that they could have used Barry Bonds at that time? They certainly could have. The Oakland A's, they love money ball. They love on-base percentage. That's what Barry Bonds, his most specialty is. You really want to tell me that they couldn't have gotten for cheap? You got to feel that there's got to be some sort of collusion maybe? Question mark?
1: Yeah, probably collusion, but there was also the uh, – the the um indictment of perjury so i guess i guess it was there but he was not really liked by the baseball world in general so even if there wasn't that he he probably would have you know especially with you know i think the uh you know this was like the height of you know people getting called out for steroid use so people didn't want to Mm -hmm. associate with him so he even without the perjury case. I don't even know if he gets if he gets signed, even though, you know, guys could have uh, could have used him. So, yeah, definitely a possibility of collusion. But yes, that ends Barry Bonds's career almost, you know, even as a 42 year old ends it abruptly mm-hmm. because he was not he was probably not on his way out. I mean, he had a 480 on base percentage.
2: He could have he could have been signed by a team just to stand there.
1: Yeah, just to, yeah, just to take in about a hundred walks,
2: get a nice view of the of the stadium from home plate, and then yeah, <laughs> the first base.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Barry Bonds was actually found guilty of obstructing justice in two thousand eleven regarding his perjury case, and he was sentenced to thirty days of house arrest and two hundred fifty hours of community service. However. This case was overturned by an appeals court in 2015 so he did not have to serve uh, any of that I guess and in 2016 uh, he had a had a cup of coffee as the Marlins hitting coach uh, but was fired immediately after um, immediately after that 2016 season and uh, you know he's had some controversy in not getting into the Hall of Fame despite all despite all of this um, all of these accomplishments that we've uh, that we've listed here, despite being, you know, getting number 756, you know, the, uh, the whole steroid thing definitely ruffled some people's feathers. There's debate about whether he should be allowed in or not. But in 2013, he got 36.2% of the vote. 2014 drops down to 347 Uh, In 2015, he was back up to 36.8% of the vote. 2016, jumped up to 44.3%. 2017, made his biggest jump in 2017 to 53.8%. Then in 2018, it was 56.4%. 2019, it was 59.1%. And then just recently in 2020, it was at 60.7%. So that leads into... You know, maybe maybe his Hall of Fame case in, in general, but his, where he ranks all time. So his 514 stolen bases are 34th all time. And then in just the live ball era, it is 17th all time. You know, back, uh, back in the day, they were stealing a lot of bases, getting caught a lot, but stealing a lot of bases before 1920. So it's important to note that he, his stolen bases were 17th all time in the live ball era. Also, all-time, you know, live ball era and before that. Sixth all-time in runs batted in. Fourth all-time in total bases. Fourth in OPS with 1051. Third in OPS Plus with 182. Third in runs scored. Second in times on base. And second in extra base hits. That leads to where he is the all-time leader. He's the all-time leader in home runs, obviously with 762 also the all-time leader in walks with 2,558 the all-time leader in intentional walks with 688 and the intentional walks thing no one no one is within no one is currently within half the amount of career intentional walks as Barry Bonds that record will probably
2: stay forever
1: yeah and it will it will definitely stay that way forever I don't think uh, Mike Franco is is going to catch him there.
2: <laughs> Mike Franco the second second in intentional walks last year, because he batted eighth <laughs> in an NL lineup.
1: Yep, I in don't think he's catching him.
2: One of your favorite stats ever.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, funny how the game of baseball works. But yep. anyway, Barry Bonds, he's the all time leader in position player baseball reference war. Babe Ruth beats him out in Fangraphs war, but baseball reference war has his back there in position player uh, wins above replacement. Barry Bonds is also in the top three in OPS 14 times. He was also top three in position player war 14 times. That's the most times among all players. He was also top three in walks 17 times, which is the most times among all players. Most people don't get a 17-year career. He was top three in walks for 17 seasons. He also has 12 silver sluggers and seven MVPs. Those are the most all time. Um, He also led the league in OPS nine times, led the league in on-base percentage eight times. He also led the league in walks 12 times. That is the most times among all players. Uh, also led the league in position player wins above replacement eleven times. We mentioned he might have uh, been able to win more MVPs in, in the more modern day. Led the league in position player war eleven times, which is tied for the most times among all players in baseball history. And that leads into the more fun stats, the the things that you know Daniel and I will will definitely look at in a more fun way. So, his career with runners in scoring position consists of a 310 average, 527 on base percentage, 594 slugging percentage, and 1121 OPS. Also, a 31.9% walk rate. I mean, that would lead the league in almost any year. Uh, and that was what he was able to do in his entire career uh, with runners in scoring position. His career on-base percentage with runners in scoring position, which is 527, is the highest all-time minimum 100 plate appearances. And that leads, you know, we mentioned that he was able to do well against Hall of Fame caliber pitchers. It wasn't just the scrubs. So versus Greg Maddox, he had an 883 OPS. You know, that's, that's good to get started. Against Tom Glavin had a 9.92 OPS, career OPS. John Smoltz had an 11.38 career OPS against and also nine home runs and 80 at-bats. Against Kurt Schilling, he had a 10.48 OPS. And against Pedro Martinez, had a 10.64 OPS. And I uh, I think I forgot Randy Johnson here. And I know for a fact Barry Bonds, had over a 1,000-career OPS against Randy Johnson as well.
2: And that being, they played in the same division, so they faced each other a lot more than most of these guys, maybe Kurt Schilling, if anyone else. But Yeah,
1: yeah. and and it was lefty-on-lefty, lefty too. Randy Johnson had the advantage,
2: mm-hmm. and he was
1: still able to take him out of the park a lot. And as we mentioned before, Barry Bonds is the only member of the 400-400 club. He's also the only member of the 500-500 club. Also, he had 10 2020 seasons and five 30-30 seasons. And uh, both of those records uh, are tied with one particular person. Who's that person? It's his father, Bobby Bonds. Of
2: course.
1: He, both of them had 10 2020 seasons and five 30-30 seasons. And they're both tied. For, that's tied for the most amount of times anyone has done that in their career. And uh, if you want to get more details. That's like
2: uh, like Prince Fielder and Cecil Fielder hearing the exact same amount of career home runs. Exactly. Even more in depth.
1: Exactly, exactly. And if you want to get more detailed, Barry Bonds had 10, 25, 25 seasons. uh, And those are the most all time. He stands alone right there. And uh, something even, something ridiculous is he had seven seasons with a 1,000-plus OPS and 25-plus stolen bases, which are the most all-time in any era. And no one else in the live ball era has had more than two of such such seasons, and Barry Bonds had seven of those seasons. And uh, if you want to talk Hall of Fame stuff, he had accumulated more than the average war for a Hall of Fame left fielder before 1995, also known as his age 30 season. Also, he accumulated 54.3 F war from his age 36 season on, and no one else has accumulated 40 F war from their age 36 season on. He was about 18 uh, 18 war, wins above replacement above the rest from his age 36 season on. Also, he accumulated more than the average WAR for a Hall of Fame left fielder in both his first ten seasons and his last ten seasons. Classic. And he played. Uh, he played twenty-two seasons, so it's not like there's any overlap there. Well. Wow. Also, you know. Also, his seventy-two point seven peak WAR slash WAR seven uh, peak WAR is your best seven seasons combined uh, for wins above replacement. He had 72.7. That is better than 113 position players in the Hall of Fame, also known as 70% of the position players in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds' seven best seasons are better than 70% of position players' entire careers. That is what the stat says right there. So that is that is all the Barry Bonds ridiculousness. It's I not have all of
2: it, but it's all the ones that we decided to cover here. We could go on literally; we we wouldn't even be able to get any sleep if we went through every single thing. But this is this is a guy who did things that were not supposed to be done. Like Barry Bonds brought back the dead ball era of offense, plus home runs, eighty years later.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Uh, he became one of the most controversial talking points in all of baseball and just overall one of, if not the, I'll say it, the best hitter to ever live. Just as far as like a mixture of contact with power, with fear, with everything.
1: All right. And that and wraps we up. Get,
2: we need to get him in the Hall of Fame. I stand by that forever. I've, Chris, I've told you. When Barry Bonds gets into the Hall of Fame, I only live an hour away from Cooperstown, so it's an easy drive for me. I'm going to bring a sign to his induction with his career quadruple slash line written on it, which is 298, 444, 607, and 1051.
1: And also, the the thing with the Hall of Fame case, steroids were not punishable until Mm. 2005, and it's not like like (laughs) Bud Bud Selig was unaware of steroids and their impact. He let it go, and you know, you can question Bud Selig's decision making however you want, but Barry Bonds was playing the game mm-hmm. and he, and up until 2005 it wasn't punishable and he never even got suspended by the league after that. So you can't even say, you know, he was a, he was positive during the time where it was punishable. So yeah, I, that marks a hall of famer for me. You can't, you can't cheat if a substance is legal. It, it's all fair game.
2: That's a fact. And by the way, I know there's one of the many cases I make for this Hall of Fame case is that there are already known steroid users in the Hall of Fame. You know, Jeff Bagwell is a suspected user. Barry Bonds technically never tested positive for steroids. So you can't necessarily say he's confirmed, but he is. He took steroids. It's, it's pretty obvious. Jeff Bagwell has the same exact case. He's in the Hall of Fame. Pud Rodriguez, he went in first ballot. Mike Piazza, Mike Piazza wrote an autobiography where he admitted to it three years before he got in. And he's still in. Why can't Barry Bonds be in?
1: Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, you know, for me, it's like if you, if you did everything before 2005 or even if you had mm-hmm. a Hall of Fame career before 2005 and you – He had a um, Hall of
2: Fame career before he even touched the needle.
1: Yeah. He, yeah, he had a Hall of Fame career before uh, he even took any steroids, even while it was legal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's a hall of famer in our book. I guess, I guess some people point to morality of it, but I mean, you know, also you have to consider like with the steroid era, it was legal and, you know, people had to do what they had to do to earn their money, especially if, you know, I know Barry Bonds wasn't a lower level guy, but if he wanted to keep earning money, he probably had to to take more steroids. And that was why he was able to produce so much in his, in his late thirties. But yeah, that's the uh, that's the that's the Hall of Fame situation there, and uh, I hope I hope everyone enjoyed our very long edition of part one of the of the of uh, episode forty, where we talked about Barry Bonds for about I think it was an hour, two hours. and almost two hours. Yeah.
2: Hey, almost. he deserves it. If anyone deserves two hours, it's Barry Bonds.
1: Of course. Yeah. I mean. Also, a guy who had, yeah, two phases of his career, which are Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame worthy. Like, there was him as, you know, an all-around baseball player, winning gold gloves, stealing, like, 30 bases. And then there's being having, you know, the greatest offensive stretch ever where he was resetting and resetting OPS records. He set the home run record, Mm -hmm. set the walk record uh, three times, the intentional walk record everything so there's nothing you can't appreciate from barry bonds so that leads to the end of part one of episode 40 um we will on a friday we will be talking about the 2010 rangers that's right uh if you want to watch the video if you're listening on spotify or apple podcasts in the future uh and you want to watch the videos with us Check out the YouTube channel. It is STBNL with Chris Gianta and Daniel Curran. Also, up,
2: we would like to thank Baseball Reference, Fangraphs, MLB.com, YouTube, and everyone else who helped us produce this video today.
1: Yeah. Well, YouTube already uh, already takes a copyright claim anyway. Yeah. So technically, we can't, we can't earn money from any of these uh, from YouTube. Yep. Not that we were going to anyway. But yeah, shout out, shout out to that. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, follow me at Chris underscore Gianta. If you want to follow Daniel on Twitter, follow him at Daniel underscore Curran. And we hope to see you on Friday's episode where we are talking about the 2010 Rangers. See you then.